Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Welcome to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. I've got Alan and Crow with me once again, and we have a guest again who is Miss Raquel Younglove sitting over here, and I have known Raquel for the last five-ish years, and I have done a lot of neurofeedback with her, and I always have wonderful conversations, and I have always admired your practice and your story from little bits that I've heard of. Um, I always feel like we have uh, wonderful conversations and so I wanted to bring you on and kind of pick your brain about some of your new endeavors that you're kind of going into and you know how you kind of got to where you are and you know what are, what are you doing with your life you know <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing what are you doing over there so um uh without further ado this is mel miss raquel young love and you know introduce yourself and who what do, what do you do <laughs> hello kyle thanks for having me um so what do i do i have provided uh brain optimization neurofeedback um training for 20 years um We'll stay on the neurofeedback piece yeah, at this now. point for now. <laughs> for now. Yeah. And so I have evolved with technology. Um, I came across neurofeedback years ago um, just by chance. And um, I had gone through a really hard period in my life. I'd lost five loved ones in five months' time. I'd ended a 14-year relationship that was super appropriate to end, but huge life change nonetheless. Um if you just want me to add some entertainment, I was in the middle of rescuing wolves on 61 acres off-grid camping, no running water, no heat at night. Thought that'd be a great time to end a relationship and, you know, just Perfect. have a brand new beginning. No stress. I know. Yeah. Exactly. He <laughs> so, was like, you've planned this. And I was like, really? Who would do that? <laughs> I have no running water. And I'm like, let's end this now. But it was the appropriate timing. Anyway, so then... I know it's really hard to find um, babysitters for wolves and um, but at any rate I ended up taking a weekend vacation ended up stranded with a gentleman who I learned of brain training um, I guess uh, backing up a little bit I'm 52 when I was in my early 20s I had people tell me that I just had a gift with helping people just completely shift their perspective just change their life a matter of five minutes I could talk to the stranger he stopped doing drugs, stopped having the affair, gone back to college, and it's still 30 years later, that's the case. I come from a small town in Michigan, like literally a village, and it was kind of like, yeah, 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 not me. Raquel, you've got a gift, you've got a gift. So I went and, and uh, dealt with that with wolves instead um, of people. So needless to say, in this wolf journey, I finally woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I have a gift. And so... Basically, um, I'm just going to say what it is for me. God's a big part of my world. 
And um, I put it out there to God. It was like, fine, I'll do this. This is, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are what I will do. This is what I won't do. So you show me out of the million things out there how it is then that you want me to help um, at a greater level. So I ended up on this fluke weekend in North Carolina. Airlines lost my luggage, and the gentleman who was supposed to be taking me to my Airbnb, take, it was his girlfriend's place, he takes it regularly, he took the corner too sharp, and then when he went to back up, he backed halfway off the side of the mountain. Mm. So I'm stranded, I can't be racing off to my dinner because I'm dealing with the airlines. He's waiting for a tow truck, is the only thing that stopped us to make it so that we actually were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Within five minutes of talking to him, and him talking about the brain training, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, my gifts coupled with if you can get the brain out of trauma and optimized, this might be it. And I just got chills saying that. But yeah, it was just like, oh my gosh, I think this this is it. And so I changed my weekend plans and I ended up doing sessions myself. And when I walked out of there four days later, I said it was the best gift I'd ever given myself and the best thing I'd ever spent my money on. And I did not have the money at the time. Um, so um, and I've been doing it ever since. I've been providing services ever since. I've been an entrepreneur for 28 years, so I had a different business for 19 years. But I started, again, in the middle of the woods camping. Just thought I would now start a new business in the, um, you know, uh, with a neurofeedback. I sometimes call it brain optimization. That happened to be the version I was originally using. Um, I've been providing services ever since. Um, I've had clients come from over 32 states and three different countries over the years. Um, I've had veterans start nonprofit organizations to raise money to pay for veterans to come to me because with all the things that they had tried that didn't work, they found this to be what did work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a partner with Mount Carmel Veterans Services. Um, And just, I love my career, love, love my work, love working with people and just helping get people, you know, whether you're in pain from trauma, from life struggles, from physical injuries and ailments, or if it's that life's pretty good, but you just want to take it to the next level and maybe you're hitting some blocks or, or you just plain want to up your game. I mean, it can help on all of those levels. And so it's just phenomenal, phenomenal work, huge gift. Yeah, it definitely, I, I did, I've done EMDR, I have done the traditional neurofeedback, and then I landed on the neurooptimal, and I've also done, I've done sweat lodges, I've done forgiveness, holotropic, like, um, you know, retreats and stuff, I've done like all, like so many different branches of trauma therapy, and I think when I had originally come in to meet with you, I had already done a little bit of the work out in North Carolina mm-hmm. um, where, where I'd gotten sober and I was really doing it just because one of the one of the buddies that I had out there had bought a unit and I was just kind of like his test dummy and I just wanted to you know just kind of see what it was and after about like two months of doing it out there I started to notice that like I was thinking faster you know I was able to articulate my thoughts a little bit better I was sleeping better just like some of those those things that I kind of took for granted and when I you know I've I've had huge traumas too that I've I've worked through with the the neurooptimal too which 
did so much more than any of the EMDR did that so much more than any other type of like trauma therapy. And like, it just worked for me. Yeah. Um, significantly. And now it's one of those things that I just like, I have it in, like I, I come see you like one, two times a month now just to maintain unless I need more, you know, and then I come in and see it, but it's just one of those things that I have like in my routine of like self care Yeah. because it really, it keeps me, you know, that I think the metaphor that I almost, I think about is that like when you're in trauma, like you're out in the middle of the ocean drowning. Mm -hmm. And when you start doing any type of therapy, like you get onto the shore and then like the more therapy do you walk further and further away from the shore. And so like sometimes I, yeah, like, yeah, I'm in the middle of the ocean drowning, but I think that this neurofeedback has really helped me like get onto dry land and it's, it's phenomenal. Like, I think it's one of the best things that I've ever found, you know, from my personal care yeah. and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty fantastic. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I haven't done it. It's, it's always sounded, you know, sounded super interesting to me. Like, uh, you know, because I'm super into like polyvagal things, mm -hmm. um, breath work, and the breath work. And I've thought about buying a little heart math one for home, you know. And I don't know how similar that is. So, you know, to me, it's part of this whole umbrella that we kind of discuss, like taking care of your body, taking care of your mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being careful what you put in your yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know. Can you describe to me what you're actually doing? <clears throat> I mean, I'm that's getting, a good question. I'm getting no. I you gotta you gotta really tell it to me like I'm a ten year old here <laughs> because I have I am so unfamiliar with this and I know a lot of listeners are going to be. Are you talking about putting probes diodes on my head, reading it, and then? talking to me through the therapy with it or is it some sort of like thing that i give, pulse i get into my head that will that will stimulate other areas of the brain what are we talking about here yeah I, yeah that excellent excellent question and i will say um so i've evolved with the technology so there's linear neurofeedback and then there's Neuroptimal, that's a dynamical neurofeedback. I'm going to focus on neuroptimal right now. Okay. Um, and the difference? Y yes. I, I'll go to the difference after I explain neuroptimal, okay. yeah. just okay. so we can Sounds be good. clear about cool. the modality that I'm using. Because I have used both, and there's reasons why I transitioned to neuroptimal. So I'll focus Perfect. on neuroptimal, which also is just more, <clears throat> it's just purely um, honoring to your own brain being the mastermind of what's best for you. So when it, to try to talk um, just um, layman's terms analogy, mm -hmm. let's talk about how our brain and central nervous system function in everyday life in a very simple way. Say, for instance, you're trying to learn how to um, ride a skateboard and you're all wobbly you're you know and so your brain and your central nervous system are like whoa i'm unbalanced i might fall well you don't go through all these mental processes to say whoa i'm almost gonna fall i need to recalibrate this and this in my body it is your unconscious mind your central nervous system saying whoa there was a change now do i need to make a change based on this to move away from discomfort Gotcha. So it automatically is always evaluating our heart rate, 
you know, our blood pressure, our circulation, um, all of these things, whether we're, we're getting topsy-turvy or not. That's the way the brain and the central nervous system always work. It's like there's a range that's okay, that's healthy for us. You know, it's not that our temperature is always at an exact set point or our heartbeat or whatever. But if it starts to get out of that range that's safe, it's like the central nervous system says, whoa, this is becoming discomfort. I need to move away from this to try to regulate you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So otherwise, I don't. I wouldn't just hear bad news and then immediately start puking. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> That's because a good one too. my brain has a sense of ways to balance that process work through that at a blink of an eye exactly exactly so that so the reason i bring this up is to help people understand this is our brain and central nervous system know how to do this yeah. that's what they're doing with us all the time so now let's fast forward to neuroptimal we are you have what are called eeg sensors there's one on each side of the head um uh, and then you have two sensors on the right ear, one on the left. So you have a ground, you have two reference sensors, and then you have two active sensors on the side of the scalp. They're just these tiny, tiny little sensors, about the size of a woman's pinky, you know, the top of mm -hmm. her pinky, so very small. Um, there's a paste, um, it's called a 1020 paste, that goes on the sensor. Uh, its most important job is to help conduct, to read the electrical activity from the, the brain and send it to the computer. It also helps hold the sensors on a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's happening. There's no jolts. We're not inputting anything into your brain. The sensors are literally just reading that electrical activity from your brain and sending it to the computer system. Gotcha. And just because this is a question that comes up for people is... The reason we have the ground, the reason we have the reference sensors is because we're doing before, there's a little box that Neurooptimal calls a Z-amp. What's happening is, is the electrical activity is read from the brain um, and goes to that Z-amp. It's doing what's called denoising. So it's um, uh, uh, deducting the room noise, like the 50 or 60 hertz electrical sure. grid of the earth. So by the time that electrical activity is sent to the computer, it's only your brain activity. Just want to make, so you know. So it's like a filter. Exactly. It, yeah, it cleans yeah. it up. Yep, yeah. exactly. So what's going to the computer is just the electrical activity from your brain. Gotcha. It's observing that activity. And when all of a sudden, it, um, when there's a shift in that electrical activity, like all of a sudden it's like, you know, it, it's, it's looking at you at real time in each session. When all of a sudden there's a shift that seems out of the norm, the only feedback to the brain, I, and I, I apologize, I forgot this, you'll have earbuds in the ears just playing relaxing, peaceful music, mm -hmm. is that when there's a shift in that brain activity, what Neurooptimal does is, is creates either like a pause or an interrupt in the music. So all of a sudden there's just this dead space, and it's an attention getter, like, whoa, a change just happened. Observe that change. Is there any change you want to make based on this? Okay. And so then that is basically catching the brain. So it's a, um, because technology has finally evolved to the point that the founder was waiting for, the brain's looking at itself 256 times per second. So with all of us in our busy, 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 we're not a Buddhist monk sitting on top of the mountain with all this time to just be in 
the stillness and have our brain sorting everything out. Neuroptimal is helping the brain look at itself in all those tiny, tiny, tiny little milliseconds and saying there was a change. Do you want to make a change based off of this change? Mm -hmm. And so if it's something that's like discomfort or it's in, or it feels like it's not uh, uh, self-regulation, then that's when the brain makes the choice of, here, let me take care of you better. And so then it will start to reorient and self-regulate to then help us be at higher functioning. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. If we think of... Um, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. If we think about it, it's like we've, we're almost on consistent, persistent patterns. You know, we just get locked like in this rut. And so it's like all of a sudden when the um, neuroptimal notices like this, this um, shift that's going there and it has the brain then observe itself, it's like, well, that's not, that's not flexible, that's not resilient, that's not me moving comfortably through this experience. Mm -hmm. And that's how then the brain will just start to correct itself, correct itself, reorient, reorient, until finally we start pulling away from those persistent, consistent patterns. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now that it's wild. makes sense. <laughs> it's wild. That, that really starts to bring it together. So the... <clears throat> to go to the other extreme, like you, the example you use of the Buddhist Zen monk, yeah. who just sits in a state of awareness with no judgment mm -hmm. and emptiness and watching the thought, the observer of the observed and yada yada, you now are getting a tighter, tighter moment of what is worth even anything about. And it's it's just almost non-reactive. You're coming to a place of non-reaction. Non yeah. You're just sitting in observance. Yeah, exactly. Pure observance. Pure observance. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. This is an enlightenment machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. I, I, uh, yeah, I want to get on this Yeah, thing. I've always yeah. thought about it as really just like training the brain. Well, I exactly. Mean, yeah. 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 So is it, could you say it's uh, assisted mindfulness almost? Like, in a way, it sounds like it to me. I mean, because I do a lot of mindfulness things and I'm always like trying to, when those thoughts come, you know, I'm trying to like filter out, you know, look at it like the bell curve, right? So you've got one standard diva off each side. Like, I don't want those thoughts and I don't want yeah. these thoughts, but these here are good. So yeah. to me, it's like chop, chop, chop. So like, to, as I was visualizing what you're saying, and maybe I'm wrong, is we're like taking okay, here are these thoughts that are outside of the normal parameters mm -hmm. and we need to address that, right? So that are unnecessary. Well, yeah, they're obviously necessary. Well, they don't serve you. They are, they're not they serving you. you. They're not, right. They don't serve yeah. it of any purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I think well, they maybe do they not serve a purpose? I mean... I, they did at one point right, in time. Right. It's yeah. that yeah, the brain is stuck there saying, okay. this kept me alive. You know, the brain's saying, this is how I helped you survive. This right. is what well, makes you okay. Fire, fire, and that's why right. it's stuck there. It's like, no, don't you? You were like, hello, I don't want to live there anymore. I am mm -hmm. not being chased by that lion. Right. And the yeah. brain's like, no, no, don't you yeah. know that you, you almost yeah. died? Yeah. I, and, and that's we, where we're like, no. And so it's looking, it's yeah. bringing it to the present moment. And it's like, oh, that lion's not after you anymore. Yeah. That's not the best thing it, for me. It helps you correct and discern judgment judgment because we're going to have the thought 
the amygdala's got to do the amygdala's job of fight, flight, or free, freeze. It's just that the old traumas that were perhaps ingrained mm-hmm. and trained no longer serve. Right. So I'm better at judging things. Okay, a car is coming at me. Mm-hmm. I can see that it's way up the street and it's going very slow. I'm not going to freak. Right. It helps. It helps me bring in a, clo- a, a more, and what's worth freaking about, and what's. Not. Well, it most definitely mm-hmm. that is one of the outcomes. You're exactly right. And if we, so that's the thing. So if we're if we're looking at trauma, what that is is when a person has been through trauma, their brain no longer has the ability to move flexibly and with resilience in response to different situations. They, it doesn't have that flexibility. It's just this, almost like this panic on off button. life nerves. It is. And so that's neurooptimals helping the brain. And so when the brain looks at itself and is like, whoa, that isn't, that's not helping me move fluidly through this life, through this experience. And that's where it works to reorient. And then, yes, all of a sudden, we're able to think and see more clearly about what's really happening. And, you know, if we really look at it, it's that we're able to be present instead of something happened to me right now. And, okay, I'm going to add to that, that memory that dad did that and mom did that. And, you know, that guy did that or whatever. You know, usually we're bringing, the brain is bringing that backpack usually. And it's Mm -hmm. compound. And next thing you know, we're blowing up in front of somebody where they're like... Okay, I made a mistake, but it wasn't that extreme, you know? Right. So it helps us kind of like, I call it clear out the clutter mm-hmm. of the past. And so we're more present in everything we're doing, um, not only to, to judge it or make choices about it, um, but also then to handle it. Right. Yeah. The, the other thing that I really have noticed, too, is that it almost it brings like a bit of like stoicism into my life so that I'm able to be super analytical about things and that and that it, and so the way that I've always really thought about it is that when I'm when I'm with my trauma it's like I'm kind of like in a nest you know with it just like kind of just just wrapped up in it and then when I have a session it allows me to just like kind of pull me out of myself and out of my trauma and then I'm able to like look at it super objectively mm-hmm. which is you know I love actually yeah. Well, I think that's a huge thing is you're able to start seeing other people's, you're able to see other perspectives. Yeah. Whereas otherwise you could be locked, you know, just mm-hmm. about, you know, somebody could be trying to explain something to you and you're like, no, no. I mean, I've just always been, I've just had a passion for self-development. Like I want to accept my responsibility for anything. I want for everything. I want to learn all these things. And one of my, uh, an interesting experience was, you know, being self-employed for so long. I was a workaholic for years and years. Um, when I first became an entrepreneur and I'd have people around me trying to tell me that it wasn't good to be a workaholic. And I was like, I love my work. I don't mind what I'm doing. I'm grateful to have the work. I provide a good life. So me who always wants to see the other perspective, I'm always trying to put myself in the other person's shoes I just really couldn't see it I couldn't see how it was a bad thing or had anything bad coming with it and then it was so funny it was years later I'd been doing brain training I'm walking down the hallway at my office and all of a sudden I just have this flashback and I'm like 
Ah, oh, now I can see what they were saying about some things about this that aren't healthy. It wasn't that I was being obstinate or trying to be bullheaded. I literally just couldn't process mm -hmm. from that angle. And that's, I, I think that's one of the greatest, one of, I mean, I guess there's so many gifts of this work, but in relationship and communication and seeing your partner's point of view and being able to communicate and ex express your own point of view. Because lots of times we might be, reacting or interacting in ways and we don't even necessarily we can't even really explain why like we're just locked and maybe our hearts in the right place and everything but we really aren't coming up with the words to be able to explain that to the other person very well and it helps i mean the ability for communication and clarity just so mm -hmm. you can even understand what's happening in you much less communicate it is just such a gift I, to yeah, every relationship you cannot see when you're just stuck and working off an old belief system. Exactly. That 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 has served me just fine. Yeah. Well, it's got me hung. <laughs> it's got kept me alive all yeah. these years. It must work. Yeah. And yeah. Cannot see yep. another angle. Yeah. So it's dualism. It's it to a degree. I guess. In the big spiritual masters. Uh, terminology it's just seeing it this and that yeah there yeah. is no other way yeah and you're you're not observing anything you are uh, reacting yeah well and you are locked in your lane or your vision or <laughs> your tunnel yeah. your you lane <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's and it's definitely it's it's helped me get married i mean it's i mean it's seriously it's, i'm not even kidding it's one of the, it's one of those things that i think like you were talking about the communication piece and i think that having the amount of like insecurities that i have and like having like this this need to like protect myself with armor and all these things i think it's been i've never ever had a functioning relationship until i started really like doing this type of work along with I mean, I was also doing talk therapy and all these kind of things, you know, to learn how to set boundaries and how to be assertive and all these kind of things. But I think that it really allowed me to, like, get out of my own way so that, like, when I have those, when I have to sit down and have those difficult conversations, I am able to take accountability for what's going on inside of me instead of immediately going on the defensive, which is what I typically do. Yeah. Um, which I still do sometimes. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah. which is uh, which is okay because I'm not perfect. But I, but I, I will say it does. It really allows me to see that bigger picture and um, to build a little bit more like compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. I think is one of the biggest things that when you're able to like really, really identify someone else's perspective. I think that's where like compassion and empathy are. And so that's and that and that's one of the biggest things that's has like made my relationship what it is right now is that I am not stepping on my own toes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal work. It really is. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That, so, is, that is fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I always tell like for me when I'm having some kind of crazy thought, I'm like, what if someone was telling you the same story that you're telling yourself right now? Mm. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> you know? Like, because yeah, nuts as Yeah, like, like this weekend, I had like, I, I was not feeling 100% and I was just cranky. And then, like, Phoebe did something. And I was like, wah, wah, you know? And then I, like, after, I went into the bedroom and laid down. And I was like, wow, 
if you were watching someone do that, you'd be like, man, you need some help, <laughs> you know? So that's discernment, right? Like you yeah. got to start to like, so it's kind of a technological way to help you get more discerning. Is that a way to put it? Yeah. 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 You know what I, I, I find fascinating is that you can do, you know, trauma work and you can do head down you know a bunch of talking to you for the therapist mm-hmm. in an office or you can do body work and the somatic piece and the whole thing bottom up right to change habits and the body habits first kind of thing approach but you still once you do that over a period of time you still don't hit that one component which i think is this where you have to be able to step back and look at what you're doing. You look at what you're doing and not listen to anybody else because you're done. Years of therapy and everything else. <laughs> they can talk blah, 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 blah at you. <laughs> and some, you know, some folks, <clears throat> you know, especially in this addict world, I mean, they started seeing them at age 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. So they're done. Yeah. And it's not going any further. Um, so nobody can convince them. Right. You have to convince. You have to understand and see it for yourself. You know? Yeah. And that's what it, this sounds like to me. Is you get a chance to be the observer of the observed to where you're looking at mm-hmm. the from a third yeah. party. What I, what I call that view from above. Yeah. It lifts you outside yourself to see world, you, how you are moving through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, just for if just for a moment you get a break from all the stress of being you. <laughs> to yeah, is it, I mean, you know, I I think absolutely. Um, and it's it, it, I'm like my brain is pinging all over the place because Kyle knows <laughs> I do other work as well. But one of my core things always is getting to our authentic self. Yes. And that's where it's like, and I, there are so many modalities, so many services out there that we're all these puzzle pieces and we need different things and different things can help. But yes, for veterans, EMDR or people with extreme, you know, with abuse and trauma, EMDR can be incredibly traumatic having to tell that story over again. Lots of times in therapy to tell that story, it is a fact, you tell the story over and over again and it's ingraining those pathways and bringing them back to life again. Mm -hmm. I always say if it's minimal enough that we talk about it and it's like, aha, now I get it. That's where therapy can be amazing. Yeah. And, and not even and therapy, therapy can be in the beginning as well. It's just when we're, we're doing that loop and we're telling the same thing over and over again, we're just bringing it back to life physiologically as well. Yeah. And so with everything, whether you're talking about observing yourself, it's, so I term it as it clears out the clutter. It's no different than... If I was, if we were talking about neuroptal and we're talking about um, diseases in the body, and all of a sudden, and somebody's on a lot of medications, and next thing you know, they have this side effect and this side effect and this side effect. My thing is, it's like, okay, let's work on the foundation. Brain is the foundation. Let's get it optimized. All kinds of things are going to fall away. Now let's see what we're really left with that we need to work on. What is the true physical? 
ailment that we now have because we're not chasing things all over the place or mentally emotionally so much clutter was just cleared out now it's like aha now i see Mm -hmm. now i can connect the dots that this is where i still have a really deep pain Mm -hmm. now i know what to work at and become more conscious about and process what really happened or now how or learn new um, skills and strategies about when i have this trigger or this happens what do I need? How do I take care of myself in this moment? Yeah, nice. It's almost like one impactful moment can just be so fractal. Yeah, absolutely. It goes to health. It goes to then next thing I know, I'm a hypochondriac or I've got this, that every month of May. Oh, I get this bad backache or something weird. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I Yeah, yeah. It becomes fractal. Yeah. yeah. But it... One thing I've noticed is just it 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 shuts down to a point of almost helplessness in 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 us, um, and there's just no we don't want to change. We do not want to change because it's not working. But there's still this resistance to change is what I typically see in folks. It's like. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it was bad, but it's all I know because it's familiar. Right. And I become just addicted to so the... So you're secure uh, in the known. Secure in the right. known, yeah. and you're just not even willing to um, go outside that. And well, and I, I agree completely. And sadly, a lot of that comes down to our environment, who who's in our home and what are those interactions like because we can want to try change like crazy we can want to do it differently but if we've got a really heavy or traumatic or toxic environment it's not conducive off i mean it, it can be really 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 hard to be able to step into that better version of ourselves or who Especially we want to be and if you're going a little alone well exactly Exactly. And so what happens, this is, um, and I actually haven't shared this example in quite a while, but um, lots of times, so there are at-home rentals available. I'm throwing that in because when clients would come from all over the world and it could become quite pricey, there's the point where people are trying to choose which child, which one of my children do I get help for? You know, because financially, it's hard. You know, it can be hard. Or for spouses, it's like, okay, you go, I won't. But let's look at this. So I've worked in um, addiction centers before. And you have, say, for instance, um, I'm going to say, so sex addiction. There's been stuff going on with a guy. The woman is completely traumatized about it get him he'd do neuro sessions he would improve drastically be doing much 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 better but the woman because she was at the at his side with all of that and she became so triggered that her brain went into fight or flight so even though he's moved forward and he's in a better place everything he does she's still like did you are you what you know so then she goes in she's still stuck in her accusatory and we understand why she's there but the problem is is he can only be around that i'm not making excuses it's just our brain is our brain 
you know, she can only accuse him so many times before that next thing you know, his brain starts to be triggered and he starts to get reactive as well. Back into the old patterns. Exactly. To suit it. And because our you know, it's no different than starting a relationship. You got one person who had a pretty easy, healthy relationship. You have another partner who comes in from a lot of trauma. And so one's super healthy, patient, calm, all these things. But the one who's had trauma is having all of these reactions. At first, and for a while, that healthier, I say that healthier, just meaning more mm-hmm. patient and calm and all those things. For quite a while, they're like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, we're good. You know, you don't need to go into abandonment and, you know, think our relationship's over and all of these things. But then next thing you know, as that goes on and on, that the traumatized person's brain can't receive that or believe it the other person's brain starts to trigger that like you're just gonna leave me every time and this is hopeless and why am i even doing this so then they start responding more impatient more and cold more cold Mm -hmm. so the traumatized person's brain's like aha see I told you, you aren't going to stay here with me forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes. And so then, yes. and then next thing you know, you've got both people with this imbalance. And, and the reason I went there was to say, you, because you were talking about people wanting to move forward. But yeah. if you're constantly against somebody who's doing opposite, eventually your brain is going to say, this is discomfort. Mm-hmm. I need to make a change, going to fight, flight, or freeze to take care of you. Yes. And then we just are doing the dance. And so... To fast forward back to Neuroptimal, that's where fortunately now there are even at-home rentals available. So entire family systems can train together for a much lower price point. So it's on their schedule, lower price point. You don't have Mm -hmm. to choose which child. You could have four children, Mm -hmm. husband and wife, and all of these things. So cool. So the whole family movement, you know, whole family system can move forward together Mm -hmm. and be more patient. You know, parents have a trying child, you know, with impulsivity or reactivity or focus problems. And the parents... Sounds like a teenager. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) Except mine, because he's brain trained since he was three and he's soon to be 15. And we don't have any of that. Oh, I kind of want to hear about that, though. I kind of want to hear about his experience. I've I've met him. He's a lovely individual. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's a great kid. Yeah. For sure. So what, what, what do you think that's been like for, like... What has been the benefit of training someone so young? So I will, um, I need to be somewhat careful here. Um, so he's trained since he was three. He was a preemie. And so he had some developmental delay stuff with his eyes, mind-body coordination. Um, that's the original reason why I started to do it. And um, it was a complete game changer that doctors just can't even believe they're like his eyes he did end up having to have eye surgery but literally his brain was completely shut off to his left eye um and because and my whole thing was uh you know how do we determine the success of the surgery or not like what will determine whether this is a success or not and they're like well whether the brain starts talking to the eye Mm. i'm like okay there's my card i need what do i have to lose i'm gonna do brain training on my three-year-old child you know (laughs) and um not only so he had one evaluation with an occupational therapist he was set up to go into a bunch of you know do a series of appointments I started the brain training. We went back a week later, and they did their first occupational therapy session. And they're like, there's nothing for us to do. What happened in the last week? 
that's how significant <laughs> it that's changed so with his eye. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. And I will say on the next next point is that um, my son's dad and I divorced when he was two. It was very, very, very difficult situation yeah, and difficult for my son as well. And there um, were just points physically you could tell my son was struggling and out of sorts. And he's just a calm, good-natured good kid but you could tell that it was just rattling him and he was super super sensitive and from the start of doing sessions all of a sudden it was like he was clear and strong not talking to to where he was like disrespectful or defiant or anything but it's like you know how if somebody's being really harsh to you and you kind of will feel so fragile and like everything's your fault and whatever Mm -hmm. and it was all of a sudden like no that isn't about me that's that person's problem. That's them doing that. This isn't this isn't mine. That's and awareness. Yeah. 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 And that kid is so clear about energy, about character, about his self-confidence, self-esteem, focused, discipline. He's been in martial arts since he was three. He was offered a job as a sensei at age 13. And we're like, um, child labor laws. We'd be breaking those. We need to wait. <laughs> um, right. But he's yeah. so sound and solid, and you know, I do I do coaching as well, and so he's been coaching kids on the playground since he's been <laughs> in kindergarten. He'll be like, you know, just explain to me what was happening with you and what was happening with you that made it so you guys responded this way. <laughs> and so, but he's just, um, it's absolutely phenomenal. We haven't. You know, one, I think what you've, you, you know, this thing, oh, we're going to have terrible twos. We're going to have terrible te- teens. You know, one, I've been super intentional. Well, no, we don't have, I, I, I can't guarantee it. I'm totally aware it could happen. And I know about hormones. You can't totally override them every time. But he's going to be 15 in a couple of months. And we haven't, we haven't even had a hard half day, you know, between him and I in our relationship. It, you know, uh, one, it just helps him be so solid and sound in himself that it, we're not so reactive to what's going on around us. It's like he can see it clearly and discern what's going on mm-hmm. and not take on things that aren't him. Like his ability even to observe kids in situations at school mm-hmm. are astounding. Yeah. Um, just mind-blowing. Um, That's so crazy. It, it is. It's... it's, it's... I, we use the word awareness or enlightenment, but it's just your total groundedness in your own, in the autonomy. Yeah. And you, it just, and, and all things physiological that are autonomous, I guess, that lend itself to that faculty. That's amazing, too, that you say that he's he's exuding these qualities on a playground at such a young age. Those are Those are qualities that, are of higher level thinking that are sort of administrative yeah. leadership qualities that yeah. can see and play the potentiality of of the intermediary. Yeah. That is higher level thinking. Yeah. Because it's non-dual and it's outside of of just one, you know, latching on to one. Right. For any particular reason. That's pretty high-level thinking. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. takes autonomy. It's pretty impressive, actually, to hear that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's well, and I will say, uh, you know, anymore, I don't know hardly anybody who hasn't been through trauma. And I guess I'm going to say this um, to, to that whole thing of that, you know, often as horrific as trauma can be, just the same. If we are looking for the lesson and looking for the learning mm-hmm. and where, what can I learn from this or where do I need to grow? Why didn't I see that? Why didn't I pay attention to that red flag? Mm-hmm. Or what do I need to learn about that person? You know, or what do I need to learn or grow in myself? It's like that trauma usually has a massive life purpose for what we're supposed to give to others or even to prepare us, you know, for our world. And I know, you know, the points that were just so phenomenally painful in his journey as a parent, it was like horrific to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe my child is going through this. Yet at the same time, when everybody else has had a more quote unquote easy or regular childhood in certain ways, Mm -hmm. they're going to struggle when they get to the world. And he was being equipped Correct. For the world. Mm-hmm. And so... It, he, it, it, he was being equipped. And here's what's the important is from the inside. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not the outside in. Yeah. And that is is huge. Well, what a gift. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, you know I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> um, so, you know, there was a point, and that's what I said. The years that I had him and he was with me more fully it was so clear that it's like god's giving me because every day it was god how would you have me parent your son with you how Mm -hmm. would you have me parent you know this boy that you've blessed me to be mom to and it was that we worked on the inside we built that foundation and then next thing you know at age seven god's like okay now he's gonna go do 50 50 custody and now I'm taking him more into the outside world and mm-hmm. I'm going to equip him and develop him out there. Mm-hmm. And so you could very clearly see these stages of his development and his, mm-hmm. his growth. Um, and as hard as the points were right. at the same time for what it's made him today and what it's going to spare him in childhood. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, I think it's important. God's a big part of our life. Um, I honestly, I've been through a lot of trauma myself, and I don't, neither one of us could be as strong and solid as we are without the neuroptimal. Without the neuroptimal, and I really like that you you bring up the God piece. Oh, yeah, your faith, too, is very strong. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Things strengthen it for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can't find it, events, if seen properly, will strengthen them. For you, yeah, because absolutely. they'll come down like out of, or come in, or mm-hmm. come up, or come somewhere with a with a a very definite uh, presence, yeah, and that changes you so that you go beyond just a um, a trusting to yeah. a, a knowing, yeah, and then you're again you're it's almost like this third party perspective. I know in my recovery. I what I arrived at at a at a, at a place of thinking, and uh, <clears throat> I came over to Alan's house one day, 
And I said, man, you know, this is how I see things. And I, I finally have arrived at this. Yeah. And what I'm describing to him, he goes, that's stoicism. Here, read this book because that's what he was studying already. Yeah. He just helped me wrap language around yeah. the meat, around the bones that I had discovered. Yeah. But what got me only so far with stoicism was a wonderful way. I mean, it's the only way to me to really navigate through the world physically. But what I needed was that third party, that outside, outside me. Yeah. And that was my faith, too. Yeah. That was God, universe, divine, feminine, you call it what you want. Yeah. Um, but I needed that higher yeah. perspective. I don't know how anybody gets through without it. I don't know how they tackle this enterprise, this human enterprise, without having the this, this source of that. Yeah. That strength or that. And, given this conversation, that yes. perspective. Yeah. That lifts me out of me. Yeah. And can help me say, all right, let, look at yourself. Yeah. Like a punked video right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting like a child. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. where that's where it's like, uh, what if Jesus was watching right now and standing right behind you? That's what I'm always thinking. It's like, yeah. I'm always like, if yeah. all of a sudden he's like, hi. Hey, what's up? You feeling like, good about how yeah. you're doing that? Well, that's like, embarrassing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say, just in case, just in case, because you talk about stoicism, and, and I love stoicism. It's actually one of our daily devotionals mm-hmm. that we do. Definitely. The other thing, and maybe it's just already there, but when we were in the trenches, in just studying and studying those in the Bible. And ultimately, it comes down to, you know, Jesus gave every living example of any experience we could go through on this earth of how to handle it in a way that we won't have regret, that we won't do damage, that we can act honorably, that, I mean, everything, any Mm -hmm. situation you can go through, Mm -hmm. it's like he was the living example of how to handle any type of adversity or ridicule or anything. Covered it. Yeah. There's, and you guys, I don't know if you're interested or not. I've had so many of my male clients, I wish this woman wouldn't have done this title, but I think it's Elizabeth George and it's like a woman who reflects the heart of Jesus. And it's like 30 little chapters. But it talks about like whatever character trait you're after, you can just cut right through. And it'll kind of show what you might be struggling with in life. Um, but then it'll show Jesus in a similar situation and then how he handled it. And it's just amazing what it can bring to mind, you know, in various areas. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Just well, in case. and that whole spiritual thing, I mean, that was, and that's my last piece, and I'm still working on it. You guys know it's that. hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. I grew up. I mean, my my right. my mother was Greek Orthodox. My father was C of E, like Chris, you know, Episcopalian. Yep. Um, but I grew up with nothing. Like, okay. No belief. Yeah. And then as I, you know, became intellectual, I was like, "There's no God." You know, you guys are re- ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. and be that guy. Yeah. Proof. Um, show me the proof. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, I'd say probably. I was arguing with my nephew when he was probably 13 and he was like, and I was starting to have this like awakening, like there's something more, you know, I had lost the weight. I was like trying to get in shape. I'm trying. And it just, all the pieces start coming together, right? Like I'm getting healthy. I'm getting strong. 
okay, what's missing? What's missing? And 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 you guys, I may have said this story when uh, I would have back problems, like um, just like knots in my back, mm-hmm. like oh. And I read this book by John Sarno, uh, Mind Body Connection. He was a back surgeon. And he was like, look, you've got to deal with stuff, right? So then I read another book written by another surgeon who was a believer. And he was like, hey, you know what the best thing for me is? Is I just put my problems on Jesus' shoulders. And I go into work and I'm brewing beer. And my assistant very was a devout Catholic. He had like, it was Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. I've never sure. seen that in my, I'm 40-some years old. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, dude, you got some shit on your forehead. <laughs> and he's like, look to me, he goes, it's Ash Wednesday. And I'm like... What's that? What's that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I said, hey, you know this book? I go, I wish that I had belief because this book is like, give me your burden, right? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, right. And he was like, well, it'll come, you know? So, and I'm still working it. Like, we're watching The Chosen right now. Yeah. Which yes. is great. Like, I'm like, I want to see this show yeah, too. Yeah, it's great. Like, it really is good. And because I don't, I was not raised with any of this. And I was like hardcore atheist until 10 years ago, right? So I'm right. like, ah, now you guys. But and it, back to my nephew, it was like, I can't believe that you, you might you believe in God. And I said, well, it's as crazy as thinking that this whole universe was all here. It just happened. And it was matter or energy. And like it was the size of a pea four billion years ago and blew up. And now it's like giant stuff. And it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to contract again to the size of a pea in a bill, five billion years yeah. and blow up again. And then all this. I go, that's a crazy. If you think, if you go objectively and be like, hey, this guy's telling yeah. me this story about how everything in the universe is the size of a pea. Yeah, and so dense, and then it explodes, and it becomes us, and we're all stardust, and maybe you know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> That's you fascinating. Know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, to me, you know, this this path has been interesting. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've read spiritual tracks from, you know, I've read the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know. Right. So to me, I'm like just suck, soaking it all in, right? Like, what is, and trying to come up with something coherent, where I. I feel comfortable with it, but having circle, we're going to circle around um, to the chosen thing. All of a sudden, I'm like, because it humanizes. Like mm-hmm. my it whole thought humanizes. was like, you know, and in the and my Ash Wednesday guy was like, he goes, hey man, you know, all these people make Jesus out something, but he was like, kind of long haired dude wore sandals, hung out with whores, you know. <laughs> And but, he was like, he was a human, you know, he was the son of God, but he was also had a human side to him. Exactly. Right. So for me as a kid, it was like, you know, it was, it was a vengeful God, an angry God and everything you did, you're going to hell. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I texted you that thing the other day. I was like, sent it to some of the beer guys from the past. I was like, turned on the TV and there was someone talking about all these fun things. And after about 10 minutes, I realized there was someone just listing off all the sins. And, you know, and I was like, well, that was me. Like, well, I don't want to not have fun. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, well, I can't do that. So for me, it's I'm a seeker, right? So I'm trying to figure it out. But watching this, I'm like, oh, I get it. You know? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, meeting you halfway, and it's, per- it's bringing it something that you can now say, rather than being told... It's bringing it into your field of relativity. It's bringing it into your field of, now I get it. I can see how that's very plausible. Oh, yeah, he was alive. Yes, 
he was he would have had to deal with the same. Yeah. His whole and life. have a sense of humor. A like, very you know, oh my gosh, he's got an amazing sense of humor. Right. Sense of humor. In my oh, mind, nice there, I was yeah. like, there amazing. was no sense of humor. It was just like all these like really grim guys telling you you're going to hell if you don't. You know. Well, think and, about a sense of humor right. and how how powerful that is. That's it's incredibly powerful. Right. Right. I yeah. mean, who can get away with anything, saying anything, moving sort of uh, political and cultural tides? Uh, <clears throat> when no one else can stand up com- comedians right yeah. and who could do it around kings and tell the king and queen that they that they're fat and that they're gross a jester right yeah. they're the most powerful card in the tarot if you look at that it's the fool starts off the entire thing so it's humor and it's comedy that that changes our mind right Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh, Ben Franklin it. said, it's the the best lubricants of man's greatest ideas is humor. So, right. yeah. So no, that's uh, your story is great, and I've I've seen his his evolution. And Kyle, we've never really had a discussion, really oh, a faith kind of discussion. We, we, really, yeah. I, da- I dance around. You, it. Well, you yeah, did, you're kind of you, like you me, know. right? A little bit. We haven't seen so. yours like Alan has seen mine. That's for sure. But uh, My, mine's. But yeah, I know yours. I know, you know Kyle's now, and five years worth of working mm-hmm. with him that that we know. Mine's more in practice. I think mine's mine's. I, I think I walk alongside my God mm-hmm. every single day, and I think that that's—I I don't know—I think that it's—it's it's not something I necessarily have to talk about because it's—I don't know—I don't know. Right. I don't know. Well, it is it's very personal, you know. It's, it's very personal, but it's right. also I have such like an intimate relationship. Yep, that is For just sure. like it's like I don't necessarily have to—I don't have to prove it to anyone. I don't have to show it to anyone. It's just—it just is. Right, right, it is right. my relationship. Yeah, you know the reason that I think I'm alive today. But it's sure. a very—it's like the spinal column for you, right now in your life. God. Yes. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, my whole life. So it's fascinating listening to your growing up with nothing. Right. I love that because I meet so many people who grew up with religion. I grew up with nothing. I didn't know anything. I don't even know if anybody ever said God. Nobody was against him, but nobody was, was for a, him. He just wasn't there. It's a non-issue. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was in the back of a car. I'm from Michigan. I'm a little kid, seven years old. I'm in the back of the car. We're driving down a dirt road, and I see a falling star. It's dark out, and I see a falling star. And I, and I prayed for some toy. And all of a sudden, this voice comes to me and says... You don't pray for things. You pray to be healed and made whole, to be in oneness with me. Uh And I immediately just knew that was God. Like, I don't even know. Nobody had ever said anything one way or the other, and somehow I knew it was God. And from there on out, and my childhood was definitely rough, God was my best friend. Like, my entire life, he's been my best friend. 
Um, and I think his ultimate thing is he just wants that relationship yeah. with us. And at every turn, it was always, I'm like, holy smokes, does he bring it to you when you say this prayer? But all the years, God, please just heal me and make me whole so I can be in oneness with you. And man, will he put you through it? I'm like, aren't you done yet? You know, um, but just this phenomenal, beautiful relationship and in the trenches of you know really rotten home life when I was a kid I laugh at myself now just the naivety but it was like at night I'd go to bed and I'd be like and God I did this today and then I did this and then this happened and they said this and I did this and I would just talk myself to sleep telling them all about my day and then some at some point I was older and I was like Okay, he was just like totally humoring me, like, yep, yep, wow, thanks for telling me. Because he's like, yeah, I was there all day, I knew. (laughs) Yeah. And now I just laugh, but he's always, I would have never made it through without him. And I just think ultimately, I think what's so sad is it's not about, he just wants a relationship with us. It's like he's our biggest fan, he loves us, he adores us, he's, he wants us to call on him for his strength and courage when we don't have it. And, for us to call on him for wisdom to see the things we can't. And, you know, when we get caught up in people saying he's a mean God and all of these different things, you know, if you even look at sin and repenting, the whole thing is, okay, you make mistakes. I'm going to expect you to make mistakes. I just want to see that you're going to keep trying to learn and grow and get better and better. It's not like you've sinned. It's over. He's saying, just grow from it. Just keep learning. You know, it's not this hard handed. You don't ever get to make a mistake. It's like, no, just don't be doing it over and over. Not even trying to become a better person. Right. Right. We're we're co-creators. It's just get, get back up on your feet and, and create. Do you know the the word sin is from a Greek word that meant actually missing the mark? Yeah. It was an yeah. archery term. Oh, nice. You miss the mark. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. It means draw another arrow. Yeah. And shoot again. Exactly. It doesn't mean beat yourself up. Yeah. It was an archery term. Yeah. But when <clears throat> in what was it, 325, when they created the Bible... In Nicaea, Council in Nicaea. Council in Nicaea. Yeah. yeah, I believe that was three twenty-five. They, they, they drew on Greek. They drew on all these different languages, and yeah. you know, and and to to and the best word to convert that into Latin would be to sin. But yeah, the word sin is misunderstood today, and. Yeah, it's such a harsh term. They, they think mm-hmm. that, yeah, and you know, even if you don't go to church like you were talking earlier, yeah, um, you still learn this in our culture. It's in the it's in the air we breathe. It's in the water we swim. It's on kids' playgrounds. Yeah, and even though you don't go to church, you know, you're a sinner, <laughs> or you know, you better repent, or whatever these words that are thrown out, yeah, that it can be so damaging and harmful, and they're so misunderstood. Yeah. Well, That's and they can do, they do a lot of damage. They do a lot mm-hmm. of damage and they're, mm-hmm. they're horrible damage. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. <clears throat> well, I wanted to, you have a new venture that you are, wait, what? No, t- tell oh, me about you this. Have a, you have a new venture that you are <laughs> kind of diving into that you would talk to me about a couple months ago or something like that. Is that something you are willing to discuss or want to discuss? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, 
you know, we talked about my son a little bit, and I've been, so I've always had, as I mentioned, I've just always been drawn to self-development. I've studied human behavior, um, human nature, the brain, for 30-plus years, long before I ever even became aware of um, uh, neurofeedback. You know, ultimately, there's a point of trying to make sense of people and the world and what's going on, even my childhood experience. Um, you know, I wasn't the horrible people, or the horrible person, you know, that my parents would have said I was, and nothing backed that up, and yet they weren't these horribly sick people either so like what was all that what happened you know and my strengths as being independent and strong-willed are some of my greatest strengths as an adult but things that they thought were absolutely horrible so I was always just trying to make sense of it so by the time my son came along at 37 years old fortunately I had done so much work I and because I'd worked with the brain and understanding how we impact each other with everything we do I knew how to be super intentional and aware as a parent. And so that is a big part with my son, for sure. But as I look out at this world that's absolutely devastating and heartbreaking, and our kids don't know how to cope, and they're hopeless, and they're not, they're not finding things that they're passionate about or that they um, give them purpose, the greatest ache of my heart is to try to help our youth and to help parents. Um, the only way to change our future is to change how we're parenting our kids. Right. And it's to understand the ripple effect we have with every single thing we do. And, you know, so I'll go back to the brain. When my son was born, I knew that if I drop a jar of jelly and I'm like, gosh, darn it, I am modeling for him how to respond Mm -hmm. to the world and his world and everything. If I let him know that I'm terrified of snakes, he's going to be likely scared of snakes. If he knows that I don't like green and red peppers or olives. So I made sure... One, I stayed neutral on, on, you know, likes and dislikes because I wanted him to authentically discover what his taste buds liked or didn't like and not be influenced by whatever my opinion was or my, my personal preference. When it came to, I know how hard my parents were on me for every single mistake I made. And I know how hard it's made it that I could have a tendency to be on myself. I was like, I never want my son to do that. Plus, I don't want him to be angry and with a bad attitude and all these things for everything that happened. So you drop a jar. Oh, silly mama. I better pick it up. Guess what my 15-year-old does? You know, it doesn't say that. But he (laughs) scoops it up with a good attitude. You know, there's so many times um, Mm -hmm. that we'd have to build stuff. I hate building stuff. And I hate reading instructions. I don't want (laughs) to. Not not much, but just anything. (laughs) Anything. But I knew that if even even doing chores I didn't want to do, if I had a bad attitude, I would be teaching him to grumble about things he didn't like instead of just stepping in and doing it. So even building our first bookshelf, it, it was like, we can do this, we can do this, come on, Ty, let's put the... And it's like, because I, it's like, no, if I grumble, I'm teaching him how to respond to every experience he has. 
And it, it's com now, oh my gosh, he loves reading instructions and he loves building stuff and it's the most amazing oh, thing ever. You oh. can get full-time work doing that now, Mom. Yeah. So, and it's funny because now I tell him, but it's that me modeling, you know, that you, that you just, how to respond to the world and equipping him and teaching him instead of doing things for him as well and being patient and showing him and teaching him how to have conversations, you know, do things around the house, building up his confidence, not, you know, judging him. And I'm going to go, well, it always circles back to God. It's that thing of, so everybody has their human nature. They feel awful typically if they break something, do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's, I knew he was going to be sensitive uh, uh, as well as a, as a person. He's just got a tender heart. If he makes a mistake, it's to, uh, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm like, did you do it on purpose? Well, no, it was just an accident. And I was like, yeah, it was an accident. And I'm like, but, but, but. And I'm like, did you have maliciousness in your heart? Did you, like, take my thing and just purposely do that? Well, no. And I'm like, it was just a mistake. Those things happen. It's okay. And I'm like, and guess what? I can take it even further to make you have to believe it, that that's what God says in the Bible, too, is it judges us by what was in our heart when we make mistakes, when we, quote, unquote, sin. Yeah. Were you intentionally, when you got angry at your partner, because you've got prior trauma, so you kind of went off the deep end a little bit and got angry, was it a malicious heart? Were you trying to, like, be mean and hateful and you wanted to tear apart their heart? No, it's just I was so caught up in my own pain, you know, that, yeah. and so it's like, you know, when we can, all these, it, the list is endless, but when we can show our kids and we can parent them healthy, then they can be more confident and strong to navigate this world. When we can set up fight rules so we can have our triggers. So I work with couples, I work with families, but if we can set up fight rules to say, ah, look, I see where you go and, you know, you go in mm -hmm. your fight and flight, you go in your abandonment. Okay, let's make up fight rules so we know how to handle this and we hit these triggers so that we can protect the relationship and we don't do damage. You know, for the person of abandonment who's like, no, you know, one person's trying to walk away saying, oh my gosh, if I have to keep talking to you, I'm going to do things I'm going to regret. The other person's got the abandonment trigger going on and saying, come back here, come back here, we need to talk, we need to talk. Yeah. And, if, and then it just spirals if that's the case. If you can make fight rules to where the person says, look, I don't want to do something I'm going to regret. Give me three hours. I'm going to walk away. You can count on me coming back in three hours. The person with abandonment can wait because they have assurance the person's coming back. Mm -hmm. The other person can process and not be reactive. And then guess what? You come back together and you have a meaningful conversation. We can model that for our kids. We can do it with our partners. You know, whether it's time management, when it's, you know, helping you know, being controlled. Kids feel like they're controlled. You need to do this and this and this. With my son, I'm like, okay, we've got to do, you know, we need to do our shoes, we need to do our teeth, we need to get the bags in the car, we need to take care of the cat food. Which one do you want to do first? I'll do this one, and you know, and so it's like simple things that people just don't realize. It's all so simple, but it completely changes whether our kids are going to be defiant, whether they're going to rebel, you know, whether they're going to end up, we're going to have these relationships of distension and hating each other. And it's, I mean, it's the truth is, is it's the same in our adult relationships too. Um, but it's the most simple things in communication. And we started to touch on this earlier, but to understand 
most of the time, I mean, almost all the time, people aren't so locked on who's right and wrong. But if you can, if you feel understood, and if you can explain what's going on in you, then it's be like, oh, okay. You know, I'll tell my son, I'm like, okay, I have to ask you a question. I'm not saying you're going to get what you want, but I'd like to know how this is, what your preference is or how this might affect you. He feels heard. Maybe if I don't even, I make a choice, we don't even do whatever it is he wanted. But I still then know what he's going through in the experience. He feels seen and understood versus so many people are pulling their kids through it's like they're not humans, kind of, really. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. pull them through all these events, and maybe they're exhausted, maybe they're tired, you know, maybe they had a hard day at school, but we, we're not setting them up to be equipped yeah. to, right. to navigate this world. And it really is everything I do, whether it's working with the brain, whether it's communication, conflict, workouts, nutrition, all of these things. It really is simple. We just have to be more conscious about what we're doing. I like that a lot, you know, and they, and they say that in child rearing and whatnot, it, it, it's routine, it's structure. It sounds like that's what you've applied, but also in the dialogue and that, that frames everything out, it's manageable. You've, you've, you framed it in a manageable way that he can work with and do something with. Yeah. It's not random, shattering opinions flying off the handle of different thoughts and yeah. you know going in and out of his world and your world and your big world and your big world problems. You're keeping things structured, manageable, and productive. Yeah. And that, I think, is where a lot of us grown-ups... <laughs> it's questionable sometimes, air quotes, isn't it? <laughs> air quotes on growing up. Um, lose, lose. The, we get off the scent is because we're throwing adult conversation around teenagers and whatnot. And by that, I don't mean you know uh, uh, derogatory conversations that are that are. Um, that are not helpful, that are not simply structured like what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're too big of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. They're too well, big they're of, complicated. And they're the thing complicated. of it is. complicated. That's thank you. Those All aren't that even that I great talk. for us as adults. No, they're not. They're really not. And because, it doesn't have to be. Because they're no. opinions. Yeah, exactly. And they're, that's, that's worthless. It, absolutely. It doesn't give us something to work with. Yeah. yeah. So unless you're going to give me an answer, don't come to me with a problem. That's fair. So, are you doing like workshops around this? Are you doing like how you how yeah, are you structuring you this? So, I've worked. I've I've got a few more um, programs to record, but basically, I've created a recorded series um, where basically, see, this is the thing. Also, I go back to that authentic nature is understanding yourself at a core level. So, when you really understand each player involved, then you know how to structure things in a way that are honoring. So basically, there's a section about helping people understand the brain, then their own brain, then their loved one's brain, and then now, okay, let's bring it together and let's figure out, let's identify time management, how that works for each person. Because So we're even going into peak states of energy and focus, so we end procrastination, so we can, instead of, you know, it's that when we do everything in a cookie-cutter way, if my, um, we'll just keep going back to my 
son, let's say if he's not a morning person and he gets out of bed and I'm like, you need to do this and this and this and this. Next thing you know, he's feeling unseen, unheard, possibly resentful and grumbling with me and not necessarily that he wanted to be defiant, but maybe it's just that 11 o'clock in the morning or five would be better. Mm-hmm. And if I can just be conscious of when it's in flow with him and say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't have to do this right now. Is there, you know, or if it's falling through the cracks, it's like, well, where's, what do you think happened? Why isn't this getting done? Oh, it's because of this or this. Oh, well, I don't care if you do it at five then. Just make sure it's done at the end of the day. And so, you know, it's same with our partners. If he's, the guy isn't taking the garbage out over and over. Okay, can you help me what ha- know what you know understand what's happening? Well, that's the hardest day of work for me. My you know I'm, my brain's just in the zone for going to work and um, you know so simple things that we will battle about that we don't have to be if we're just understanding our partner. So it's understanding everybody very at a core level, and then um, and then identifying and then narrowing down time management that works for everybody, fight rules, communication styles, um, it's setting up the house so that you can you're setting everybody up for success. If our if we don't have a place in the house for things yet we're yelling at our kids to pick things up, but they have no idea where they go. I mean, everybody ends up you know mad at each other. There's distension, there's frustration and stress, and it's like these simple things to set everybody up for success yeah i think that that's that's such a valuable resource that i that you're offering because there's they don't teach it in school no you know they don't they don't teach it there's i haven't really heard of any type of workshops or we you know weekend getaways that you can go to learn about any of that stuff and i I don't i think it's like a it's an issue that is not widely discussed and it needs more attention you know, because I think that we have there, you know, there's the youth of our, the, the youth of this generation is wildly terrified. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they are in some ways kind of unequipped to be able to deal with the problems that the older generations have kind of left in their laps. Yeah. And so, so having something like that, you know, to really teach, you know, the older generation, how to raise the younger generation. I feel like that's so valuable. I feel like we absolutely need that for sure. Yeah. All right. So tell us website, if you've got one, how people can get a hold of you if they want to use your services. Yeah. So uh, breakthrough neurofeedback, the website is, is breakthroughneurofeedback.com. I don't know if you want me to spell it. No, it's, it's okay. kind of long. It's, we'll, we'll put it on. Oh, it'll we'll be on there. Put it on we'll link. Yeah, we'll so breakthroughneurofeedback.com okay. or 888-908-9490. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank and, you. Well, we're yeah. not, you aren't oh, even no, no, close wait, no. to being done, buddy. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> once uh, Crow gets back, we will do our, uh, we do well, we this can, thing. We can, we can start. Time. Yeah, so three gratitudes. We always close with three gratitudes. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so um, why don't you all lead it off there, Alan? Okay, I'll do three. Um, I'm super grateful that my wife is patient with me because... You know, I'm pretty reactive, and I try to not be that way, but sometimes I fall off the wagon, and especially if I'm not feeling well. Um, and I had my first, like, 
flare-up of whatever is in my intestines for months. And I was cranky. And I took it out on her. And luckily... But second thing I'm grateful for is I I had my first colonoscopy. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, so they looked up my butt. <laughs> and they didn't find anything, which is great. Like, I thought for sure I was going to have cancer. I was going to have a week to live. Cause no, that's why did you brain, think that? That's <laughs> why did you start planning Because that that's the way my brain works, right? So <laughs> I've been having this pain for 30 years. And I'm like, all right, well, you've ignored it for 30 years. So this is what you're going to get. Oh, I see right? what you're saying. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So they look, everything's totally normal. So right. it's not some some uh, diverticulosis, which is mm. inflammation. So I'm guessing that because they cleared me out so bad, because I've been working on my biome for years trying to get my gut healthy. Yes, I'm guessing that you know all that goodness was gone. So sorry everyone for that. But <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Hey, I'm that, grateful that, for your that, honesty. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm super excited. I'm going to go see one of my favorite bands of all time tonight. At the Black Sheep of all places. That'd be cool. So Steel Pulse, reggae band that I got into oh, it in yeah. high school. Um, and I can't believe they're playing Black Sheep. They're playing at Red Rocks this weekend, so I'm sure it's like a little, a little gas money on the way. Sure. But mm-hmm. it sold out, and uh, I had a chance to see them right after college, but I had just moved to California right as they came to Colorado for one of the first times. So well, super excited. Although the last concert I went to standing for that long with this paralyzed leg was uh, challenging. Challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I so it'll, yeah. I was hoping there'd be a, no opening band and they just come in because they're older than us, older than you and me. Mm-hmm. I was like, those old guys, they want to get to bed by 930. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're probably used to that lifestyle. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. So, super excited. All right. Well, what do you got? What do I have? Gratitude. Can I do four? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It has to be three. So, <laughs> and hearing your story, if you don't have four, I've got four for you. Oh, man. So I always, it's God in my life and the miracle of my son. I didn't tell you guys, my back was broke when I was 15 years old. I have a failed back surgery of 37 or 38 years. So I have like a hole in my spine at three levels in my lumbar spine and three out of six broken screws. So my son was like a major... Miracle, who got dropped within a month when I said, can I? And all of a sudden, 37, I was pregnant. So um, God in my life, the miracle of my son that is still surprising, he's here. Um, Being here, that's Mm -hmm. a huge blessing and grateful. And any opportunity I get to serve or help other people um, feel better in life and improve their life. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Thank you. That is beautiful. You're my number one grateful. Um, (laughs) Just your energy. Thank you for coming by today, man. This has been just a pleasure meeting you. Well, thank you for having me. And hearing, and anybody that can help this guy out over here, this Mr. Kyle, for (laughs) for so many years. um, No longer a basket case. Yep. No, no. um, Or just a very small one. Very very small small one. (laughs) But he knows right where to come, and we just clear. It out right away. Right, right. Um, that you, so you, yes, you you being here, uh, meeting with us and and being on the program is my number one. Probably two, not probably. It's got to be my health. Mm. Who? I just still don't feel anything. No issues. No. 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 Good for you. Not a one. 
Uh, well, other than my knee that I took a digger in, but you're going to have that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for um, all the, the support people that I have in my life. I mean, it's just, it's so varied. I got so many family, friends, Aww. loved ones, and so many different areas. Yeah. I've conveniently placed them everywhere. I mean, <laughs> That's prop, good. Prop me up, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, fourth, I'm going to definitely do my family. Mm. Yeah, big time. You just about stole every single one of mine. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, thanks again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen out there. Let's just wrap this. <laughs> Kyle, um, what are you? Uh, I am very grateful that you came in and graced us with your presence. Um, always have a wonderful conversation with you, and you've helped me so much over the years. And so it was, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on today. Um, I am grateful. I'm getting married in one week from today. And I am very grateful that I even have that opportunity and that I have um, become so authentic within myself and I'm not uh, running from my abandonment trauma anymore and doing any of that kind of stuff. So I actually have like a functioning relationship and I'm able to actually get married in a week. And so that's pretty fantastic. I am grateful. I am grateful for my health. Um... I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in, and I'm very happy about that. Very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for my family, too. (laughs) (laughs) Grateful for my family and also my friends. Um, Yeah, I mean, you you two fellas in here definitely keep me in check, and my friends from out of state, and, you know, my fiancé, and my mom, my dad, sister, grandma, grandpa, all those, you know, just kind of... Show me what love actually means. Mm-hmm. So. Great. Oh, I, I want to say I'm grateful for uh, my friend Chris. Not this Chris, but my other Chris. Yes. Who, after listening to the podcast with Jill, is going to do IFS today. That's so cool. That is so, um, yeah. so cool. And we went out for lunch like a week ago, and he said that he listens to a lot of self-help podcasts, and he finds ours to be better than some of the big ones. Oh, they were respectful. It. He told me this. I'm like, I'll have him call you. I uh, said that he likes how we don't step on each other's toes and we're respectful. And uh, that he really found what we're doing rewarding and thanked us for doing this. So, so I wanted to say to thank you to him for actually listening. Well, thank you, Chris, for so, being a listener. And the guy in Belgium. We'll say thanks to him again. Yeah, the girl in Jamaica. And Jamaica. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. And the East Coast, we, we, man, we love you all. Thank yeah. you for yeah, listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you once again for, for coming in here today. Yeah, Rock Hell. It's been a, a pleasure. true pleasure. It really yeah, has. And we will have everything linked to off our website to hers. So if anyone needs to reach out to her, you can get it through the lightermind.com. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we're going to take a couple week hiatus because I'm getting married. That's right. Congratulations, Congratulations, Kyle. We'll see you all in a couple weeks. We'll be back. And I think we have another buddy coming in. I believe so. Don't want to say yet. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Don't want to jinx it. But let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, thank you everyone for listening and tune into our next episode. All right. Who's got the bowl? Kyle. Pass me the bowl.